Good morning, church. Today we're going to talk about the topic of anxiety. I know this is a topic that we all are concerned about, a topic that we all face. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer before we begin. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we commit this time upon your hand. Lord, we ask of you, would you come and grant us wisdom this morning to understand and apply your word in our lives. As we talk about anxiety today, Holy Spirit, would you come and convict us the root cause of anxiety, our anxiousness that is in our heart. Lord, help us. And may you come and bless both the hearer and the speaker to be able to focus this morning and be blessed by your word. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, <coughs> or uneasy about something with an uncertain outcome. We are now living in an era of anxiety. Indeed, uncertainty is all around us, more so than today. The current COVID-19 pandemic have heightened uncertainty over the economy, employment, finances, relationship, and of course, physical and mental health. Yet as human beings, we crave security. We want to be, feel safe and have a sense of control over our lives and well-being. Fear and uncertainty can leave you feeling stressed, anxious, and powerless over the direction of your life. It can drain you emotionally and trap you in a downward spin of endless what-ifs. <clears throat> so, anxiety is a, a meteor showers of what-ifs. Example, what if I don't close the sale? <clears throat> what if we don't get the bonus? What if the business doesn't get better after a circuit breaker? What if my kids get into bad company? All the what-ifs. Anxieties takes our breath for sure. It also takes our sleep, energy, our well-being. That's why the psalmist wrote in Psalms 37 verse 8, it only causes harm. Harm to our neck, our jaw, our backs and our bowels. Anxiety truly can twist us into an emotional pizza. It gives rise to our blood pressure, headaches, and anxiety is no fun at all. <clears throat> Chances that, as, that you or someone you know seriously struggles with anxiety. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, anxiety disorders are reaching pandemic proportions. Anxiety robs us of our enjoyment in the present, snap our energy and keeps us at night, feeling depressed sometimes. Most importantly, it robs us of the peace that God promises even in the midst of storm. Anxieties can, however, lead to sinful behavior. Stop for a moment and think how many different sinful actions and attitudes comes from anxieties. Anxiety is about finances, 
give rise to coveting, greed, hoarding, or even stealing. Anxiety is about su succeeding, makes you irritable. Anxiety is about relationship, <clears throat> makes you withdrawn, indifferent, and uncaring about other people because you are anxious how someone will respond to you. You tend to cover up the truth and lie. In the Bible, anxiety stems from a lack of faith in our Lord Father. As unbelief gets the upper hand in our hearts, anxiety is often portrayed in the scripture as being inconsistent with trust in God above about provision, performance, or repetition. In fact, anxiety is subtly implying that God is unable to meet our needs. Having said that, it is important to know that the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the presence of anxiety is optional. In the midst of great anxieties, how should we respond? If you would take your Bible out, I would like you to read from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 to 11. That is the passage we want to read from. <clears throat> Let's turn to the passage. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 to 11. Peter has an instruction here. He said, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but give grace to the humble. Verse 6. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exhort you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks like a rolling lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Yes, you're not alone. You're not the only one. You're not crazy. It's a battle that we all must fight. Some fear we all must face. Some things we must go through. And we are in this together. Let me continue the verse. And the God of all grace who call you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You see, in this chapter, Peter is a grown Christian man now, getting a little bolder about relying relaying his advice from his experiences. He is walking up to a church that is under attack and speaking to them to a personal level. Why do we suffer from anxiety? That's my first point. Why do we suffer from anxiety? Number one, because we have an enemy of our souls. The battle over worry and anxiety is real. You know, it's interesting to note how Peter, right after telling us to be intentional about casting all anxiety on the Lord, turned immediately to the topic of spiritual warfare. 
Let's check it out in First Peter 5.8. He said, Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls like a rolling lion looking for someone to devour. There must be a strong connection between getting free from anxiety and gaining a better understanding of the spiritual conflict. We have an enemy who have come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he doesn't want any of us to know the truth about his dirty work. And Peter warned us that the devil is real, cunning, and crafty, and with many strategies to def defeat and destroy the Christian. It roars like a lion looking for someone he can eat alive. Looking for a family he can tear apart. Looking for a future he can ruin. Even he, he even has a chance to get started. Looking for a church he can divide. Looking for a nation he can divide. Looking for an addiction he can plant a young man or a youth, a young man so that they can never live a normal adult life. The devil is busy. The devil is active. Peter is here to teach us that we are born again into a living home. But as you're born into a living home, you are also born into an eternal struggle and a very real battle. Peter is walking up to a church under attack, speaking to them on a personal level. I want you to know, Peter said, you are under attack. Do you have thoughts? that repeat themselves over and over again in your mind, thoughts of fear, worthlessness, or anxiety. This seemed to be Peter's primary focus. The attack of the enemy often manifests itself in an overwhelming sense of anxiety. But the good news is, the good news is it is not an ambush. Peter said that the devil is like a rolling lion. That means he gives you warning before the warfare begins. You know, sometimes we really act surprised by the things we go through and the way we struggle. We come into situations that are harder than we expect them to be. And we ask God to do great things in our life. But, but, but the battle begins, we act like we weren't warned. We have been warned about the battle. And Peter said that the lion, the devil, is not silent. He is rolling. Wow, he's rolling. The devil is up in your face. And he's letting you know it's coming. That's why it's so important to be sober. In another version, he said, be alert or be prayerful. Peter urged the church to be alert and prayerful. Because Satan is constantly waiting for the unguarded hour of Christian to strive. This unguarded hour is largely influenced by the intake that we have daily. Are you listening? Do you know what anxieties and fats, as in F-A-T-S, have in common? Anxieties and fats are both determined by what you intake. For someone who is in the midst of working out this six-pack in his body, he has to go, to a, go into a very strict with what he eats because 
you know, you can't out-train a bad tired diet. And every day, he needs to keep a foot lock. Are you listening? A foot lock. Like writing down what he ate in the morning, afternoon, and, and for dinner in order to allow the coach to track what he takes in. You know, I wonder what it would be like if we keep a thought lock of just what we let into our mind. Imagine every one of us, you know, how long we have in front of our screen, how many hours, 8 to 10 hours of media daily that is designed to hardwire the way we think. What hope do we have to have peace in our hearts if we don't make a place for it? What place? A place where you allow yourself to soak into God's word more than your screen time. You, you know, you let the enemy in and, you, and then you pray to God to drive them out. It creates this cycle where you are creating your own state of mind that you are trying to get away or pray away. Are you listening? So be alert. Watch your intake. And the second reason why we do, why do we suffer from anxiety is that we have a problem with humility. Let's look at these two verses. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. Then you understand what I'm trying to say here. And I always thought, verse 7, the instruction where he said, cast all your anxiety on him because he, because he cares for you, was independent from verse 6. And often we would go to the word of God, you know, and try to, pluck out all these little promises. Oh yes, I like this verse. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That verse, and we say we claim it. But there is an important connection we need to make between verse 6 and 7. Verse 6, he said, Humble yourself therefore under God's almighty hand, and he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. To really understand the essence of the connection, you need to look at a more literal transla translation of verse 6 and 7. The NIV version put a full stop at the end of verse 6 and make verse 7 into a new sentences. But the full stop cover up the connection. That's why Kim James Version doesn't have a full stop because verse 7 does not start a new sentence. In the original Greek text, it is part of the sentence in verse 6 and continue, continue with the participle. It is not cast all your anxiety on him, it is, but rather it is casting all your anxieties on him. Casting, not cast. Therefore, verse 6 and 7, these are not two separate sentences. It reads like, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at proper time, he may exhort you, comma, what happened next is depend on whether or not verse 6 is applied. In Greek, it is one sentence. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may exhort you in due time, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. So Peter was trying to highlight 
that the problem, let me say it again, that the problem of anxiety is linked with the problem of pride. And that's why he was asking the church to humble yourself. Oh, okay, I get it now. I've been trying to cast my anxieties and keep my pride. The thing you need to know is that pride leads to anxiety. And if you insist on doing it your way, and if God doesn't do it your way, you get anxious. And that speaks a lot of pride. Then expect, let me say, you expect to feel the weight of the world to be continued on your shoulders. You see, pride is self-reliance. Pride is refuse to trust in God. Pride is refuse to submit to the authority of God. You can't do just verse 7 because you decide to. You say, God, you know, God, take it off me. All these worries, anxiety, stress, take it off me. I'm so worried, God. Uh, uh, make me no worries anymore. Uh, don't you care that I'm perishing? <clears throat> and that's what Peter said one time in the boat. Don't you care, God, that we are drowning? God, you say, cast all my anxieties on you, and I'm casting and casting them to you. But it isn't working. Look at the word anxiety, church. Look at the word anxieties. How is it spelled in English? Look at the, what is in the center of the word. Do you say that at the center of your anxieties, if you can really trace it, the center of your anxiety is your pride. The reason, could it be, the reason you're so anxious is because you're at the center and you can't sustain it because it is not your throne. Have you ever Listen to your own language. I don't know if I can have what it takes. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can make it. What if I, what if I, I, I. You can't spell anxieties without I. It's right in the middle. And do you know what's the other word that has I in the middle? The word pride. The word pride. Maybe the reason you have been carrying anxiety, church, that you can't get rid of it because you have been bearing the weight you weren't mean, meant to bear. And today, the word is you need to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God because if you stay weighed down with your pride, you are going to be weighed down with anxiety and God can't lift you up. Lord is saying to us this morning, call to me in a time of storm and humble yourself, casting all your anxieties on Him. You see, casting all your anxieties on Him is not a command to cast your anxiety on Him. It's a result that you will get when you humble yourself. How did I overcome my anxiety? Let's continue to go back to the passage, 1 Peter 5, verse 6. How to overcome anxieties then? Humble yourself. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. We need to humble ourselves. The command is to humble yourself under His mighty hand. And what do you do? 
the anxiety goes with the pride. Are you listening? Be a humble person because if you are proud, God will be against you in your pride. But if you are humble, He will give you grace, exhort you in due time, and care for you along the way so that you don't have to be anxious. If you would get yourself out of the center and get God on the throne and lift your hands to Him and say, "I need You, God. I'm a sinful person, Lord. I can't step without You. I can't breathe without You. I can't eat without You. I can't pray without You, Lord. I can't parent without You. I can't preach without You. I can't work without You. I can't live without You. No peace without You, God. No joy without You." And when you say that, when you humble yourself and say that, surrendering yourself to you to Him, God say, "I'm ready. I'm ready to lift you up above the storm, above your pride." Is that the reason you are so anxious, church? Because of your pride? Maybe the anxiety is the fruit, and the pride is the root. The root. If you have plucked it up. By the root, the fruit couldn't grow. Amen. Pluck out the root, so that the fruit of anxiety will not grow. Get yourself out of the center. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. You see, who is better to teach us humility than Peter himself? There was one time he was sitting around a table having dinner with Jesus. Jesus say. All of you are going to fall away. Look what Peter say. No, 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 not. Even if all fall away, I will not. I will not. But Jesus said, before the rooster even gets his second crow out of his mouth, you're going to be telling people that you don't even know me. That is exactly what will happen. And Jesus warned Peter of the attack. You know, church, because of our pride, sometimes we don't listen, we don't hear it, so we are surprised when he comes. We act like it's an ambush, but we have been warned. Now, decades later, Peter writes to a church that is under attack. Humble yourself under the mighty hands of God, for your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's looking for someone he can sh- shed to pieces with doubt and fear and self and and selfishness. So how to overcome anxiety, church? Let me move on. First, humble yourself. How to humble? The second thing we humble by coming under the mighty hands of God. You know what does the hand of God represent? I want you to see that phrase and three things the hand of God represent. There is an image that will be very familiar to a Jewish audience, for it was a mighty hands of God and an outstretched arm that brought God that that God brought His people out of the Egyptian slavery. And Peter want them to know that the same hand of God 
that has been actively fulfilling its purpose throughout human history is still reigning over your life. So humble yourself under the mighty hands of God. And the first thing about the hand of God represent is His plan. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful, I'm really thankful that God's plan for my life have prevailed even against my own plan. And I thought sometimes my own plan were better sometimes. I'm not sure many of you are grateful for the hand of God. You see, God's hand is not like your hand. It's an invisible hand. You can't say it, but you definitely know when the effect comes, when it moves, because you will live a little while. Peter say, I saw what happened in the hands of God, the plans of God. You see, Peter is not writing this as an advice. He has went through lots of experience. Who is better to tell us about the hand of God than a man who walked with Jesus Christ in the flesh? Who is better to describe us to the function of the hands of God than the one who actually saw his face? And Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus, Peter didn't just trace the hands of God. He saw the face of God. And he's saying those to those who are under attack, up under depression, up under disappointment, dealing with failure, hit rock bottom, don't know why snakes, freaking out, crying yourself at night, feeling all alone. And he's saying to every believer that you have the upper hand, the hand of God is mighty, the hand of God is strong, the hand of God is over your life and will prevail. His purpose will come to pass. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plan to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. If you find yourself under attack today, church, you need to know that the hand of God is guiding you, leading you. And the same hand that split the sea open so that people could walk right through it. The hand of God will make a way where there is no way. The hand of God will bring water of rock in a dry place. The hand of God is over your life and He has a plan for you. The hand of God represents the plan of God. So humble yourself by coming under God's plan. Believing that His way is higher than your ways. His thoughts is higher than your thoughts. The hand of God represents the plans of God. The second thing about the hand of God, it represents the provision of God. And once again, who is better than Peter himself to remind a church or believer who is under attack that the hands of God is the place where bread multiplies. You know, the one who saw 5,000 was just, was fed with just few loaves and a few fish. How a kid's meal multiply into a buffet line. Amen? And Peter was right there. He saw what happened when he put the bread in Jesus' hand. He knew that at times where you feel you are in a place of lack, 
your provision is never depend upon your own ability to provide for yourself or your own ability to create resources for yourself. But anything you put into the hands of God, it will multiply. Amen. Anything you put in the hands of God, it keeps coming. Do I have a testimony? You know that in your journey of faith, you have been through some hard times in your life, but hope keep coming. You have been in some tight places. You feel like you're running out. You want to give up. You feel like you can't make it through the next day. But somehow strength keeps coming. Joy keeps coming. Amen. Now he will supply seeds to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. That's the promise of God from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. The hand of God is a hand of provision. So we need to humble ourselves by coming to God's provision and trust that He will provide everything according to His riches in glory. Amen. You know, many years ago, I was running a little shop, cafe in Little India. Yep. I remember that year when I first started. It was a trying time of my life. Business wasn't good enough to cover my business overhead. And I was in great anxiety at that time. In those stressful times, I really don't know what to do but to turn to the Lord in prayer. I have this little corner in my shop where I will retreat to pray. But at first, it didn't seem to make a lot of difference. Everything started the same and my disappointment grew and anxiety gripped me deeper and deeper. It was, it, I was in constant uh, stress about finance and every month, I wondered if I could earn enough to cover up the loss of the last month. It was really the lowest point of my life. And I have to admit that anxiety about my problem is a sinful pride. As I was relying on myself and did not trust in the mighty hands of God. But thanks to be God that He knows my weakness and in love correct my foolishness. I remember one day I was really down. And almost on the verge of giving up. And there was this missionary walk into my shop and ask that if could pray for me. I was shocked. Can you imagine? You know, someone walk into a shop and look for the owner and say, can I pray for you? Before I accept the prayer, uh, I make sure that he's a Christian. You know, and he shared with me that he's a missionary in town for a mission conference and he's visiting Leather India. And he, when he shared that when he was passing by my shop, there's a prompting of the Lord to come by into my shop and, and, and to pray for me. You know, I was so amazed and so thankful. As I was sharing, or just at the moment, it was my, it, I was in the lowest point of my life. He encouraged me and prayed for me. And at that moment, my spirit was instantly lifted up. I went through a really tough year, but I know that the Lord was with me. 
I continued to pray and surrender my anxiety to God. And there were times where I feel like I'm running out. I don't feel like I could make it to the next day. But somehow, you know, God just strengthened me. Just like this verse. The devil keep rolling at me to intimidate me, getting me anxious. But I always remember the incident of the missionary, the man of God who walked in because of the prompting of the Spirit to pray for me and encourage me. So I keep praying and surrender to God. And on the second year, things turn around, things get better, business was better, I was able to cover my expenses in a bit more. I completed the two years list, did not extend because the landlord decided to increase the renter. Whoa. So the hand of God, experience the hand of God upon my life. It's a hand of provision. Thirdly, the hand of God is also a hand of protection. God's hand is gripping me tight. And who is better once again to see the hand of God protecting than the one who tried to walk on water? Peter himself. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4 where Peter was out, go, got out there. He's trying to make his way to Jesus. And he's come, he get off the boat at a point of time. And he said that Peter, uh, from Matthew chapter 14, he said that Peter in the storm got out of the boat. And when he walked out on the water, he did well. And he came towards Jesus. <clears throat> but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sing, crying out, Lord, save me. He cried out before he goes completely under. But he's sinking, but he's not sung. He's going down, but he's not out. The lion is prowling, but he has not prevailed. Are you listening? Then in verse 31, he said, Immediately, that's the word, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand. You notice how the story narrates. Jesus is not walking towards Peter. Peter is walking towards Jesus. And when Jesus sees Peter falling and here is crying, he reached out his hand and Peter must have been close enough for Jesus to reach out to grab him. Listen, you know the problem with some of us isn't that we are sinking. It's that we won't stay close enough for God to get us on his greed. Are you listening? And today, and today I, I, I like to declare to the devil, to the liar, that you are in Jesus' greed. Even when you feel that you are going down, even though the winds and the waves are rolling and raging in your life, declare that I'm on his greed, I'm on God's hand. God has me in his greed. He has me in the hands of his protection. He might let me suffer for a little while, but He won't let me stay there. He is my God and I'm in His hand. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. You know, it doesn't matter how well you can walk on water. It, it matters how close you are to His hand. It doesn't matter about your intelligence. It matters about your surrender to God. It doesn't matter about your ability. It matters about your surrender. 
So humble yourself, church. That's the message today. You humble yourself by coming under God's protection and believe that He will lift you up in due time. He will get you up. He will lift you up in due time. So God, so God will let you down. You know, God will let you down low enough to know that you need Him and bring you up high enough to let the world know He's with you. Amen. Let me say it again. God will let you down low enough to know that you need Him and bring you high enough to let the world know that He is with you. Amen. So church, humble yourself under the mighty hands of God. Practically, what can must, what must I do? Let me move on to the last point. Verse 7 says, Cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. You know, when, when, when Peter writes this, he he's a fisherman. I wonder if he was picturing casting net from one side of the boat to the other side just because Jesus told him to. You know, sometimes anxieties in our life is a result of our unwillingness to be obedient. When he, when he cast the net to the other side, and maybe that's a word for somebody this morning. He said, casting all your anxieties on him. Do it his way. We have been fishing all night and caught nothing. Peter said, but because you say so. Peter said, because you say so, I'm going to cast my net on the other side. I've been trying to do this my way. I've been trying to handle it my own. I've been going, but this day, I'm going to cast my net to the other side. Amen. I'm going to show you an illustration of what it means to cast your anxieties to God. Church, we got a box full of anxiety. And you say, I got this coming. I got that coming. So in the moment of faith, you take whatever that is worrying you, stressing you out, causing anxieties, and you say, God, I'm casting all my anxieties to you. Take it, Lord. Take it. You know, you take all my worries, anxieties. Take it, God. Oh God, you're not doing anything. I'm going to take all this back to me. Sounds familiar? Why do you do this? Why will you say, God, I don't think you can handle this? You know what's the problem? The problem is your God is too small and your anxieties is too big. It's time to change to a bigger God. It's time to change to a bigger God. Amen. You know what we have been told to do, church? What we are told to do? To cast all my anxieties to Him because He cares for us. You know, we don't just take your anxieties and put them with God. We've got to take our life, humble ourselves, and surrender all to God in Christ Jesus. Church, do you see it now? Amen. So, how do I cast my anxiety? So practically, can I suggest to you to remember the acronym CAST, C-A-S-T, whenever you face anxieties. CAST. What does CAST 
represent. First, C, cast my anxieties to God. And First Peter chapter 5, verse 6 say, Cast all your cares upon Him. To tell God about all your worries. Tell Him. Ask Him to help you to submit to His sovereignty. Note, when we see ourselves as God's servant instead of God's advisor, we are in a better position to trust in His sovereignty. Ask the Lord to help you to believe in His promises. C. Cast. And A. Represent alert to the enemy. Be sober and vigilant. Be prayerful and alert to the enemy. God. Remember God. What you take in. Remember about the thought lock that we need to keep. And S. Supplicate all my needs. Do this. For every worries you have. Write a reason you have to worship the Lord. For example, worried about of finance, rejoice because I know that my God will supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. Write it down. Cancel out those worries and replace it with the promise of God. It changes our perspective, shrink the anxiety, and magnify. God's glory. Amen. And lastly, thankful to God. Give yourself a task. Remember to rem- choose to remember God's goodness in the past. You know, when we are anxious, we often look at the present. Our present pain, our suffering, all that we can think about. Then we feel more troubles in the future. But we should begin to By looking back, think about how good God has been to you in the past. Think about His goodness. Count your blessing so that you will not forget. He will not forget you now. His love in the past forbids me to think He will leave me to sing in trouble. Learn to count your blessings. In closing, Peter said, this is a time for resistance. It is not a time for you to, to, to run. It's a time for you to resist. First Peter chapter 5, verse 10, Peter ends off by saying, after you have suffered a little while, God himself will step in and restore you and make you strong. You see, the enemy like a lion, <clears throat> and the lion, but the lion is on a leash. Is on a leash. He can only go so far. He can only do so much to you. He can't keep you down forever. Are you listening? Humble yourself under the Almighty God and in due time, in due time, and let me declare that today is due time. This is it. Anxiety stop here this morning. Depression stop here. Fear stop here. In due time, He will lift you up. And God is reaching down to somebody who is listening to this message this morning. And you have been going down. If it is you, what I want you to do right now is to lift up your both hands. Wherever you are listening to this message. If this message speaks straight to you, lift up both of your hands in the form of surrender. What you have been dealing with. 
straight to the battle that you've been fighting. Lift up your hands in the form of surrender. Church, let me tell you that the enemy we are afraid of today will be our testimonies of our tomorrow. Amen. Let me say it again. The enemies you fear today will be our testimony of triumph in your tomorrow. The God who have called you into His eternal glory, which lasts forever and ever, after you have suffered a little while, He Himself will restore you. Peter said, Peter said that, I know about it. Because I have been there. I had me at the center. I failed so badly. I do not know that even if I could ever bounce back, I went back to fishing business because I figured God didn't need me anymore or use me. But when I was going down, that's where I found His hand. When I was going down, that's where He reached out to me. Just when it looks like the lion have me on his side, that is where the grace of God, the God of all provision, the God of all power upon you. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. I'd like you to lift up your both hands as a form of surrender wherever you are. As I pray. God, we thank you for your hand of favor, your hand of provision, your hand of protection, your hand of power, your hand of purpose. Today, Lord, this is what we want to do. We want to humble ourselves under your hand today. We know that the lion is loud, but we know that suffering wouldn't last long. It is not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed to us. So we look in His face today. We declare that in the name of Jesus is greater to the lion, that the name of Jesus is higher. We have all power in your hand. All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to you. So Lord, would you come and lift up your people wherever they are right now. Lift up your people. Lift up your people so we lift you in wherever they are in their homes. Lift their heads, God. Lift their heads. Dry their tears, God. Calm their heart. Speak to the storm and the storm will cease. Yes, Lord. We declare in the name of Jesus, that today is our due time. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.